Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. If you saw in your bulletin that uh, tonight we're having a Christmas Eve service, that's a misannouncement. It was just a carryover from last week, so there is no Christmas Eve service tonight. We're through Christmas, right? Got, got on the other side. It was a good time with family and all. I trust it was with you. And so uh, today, I'd just like to share something I, I believe will be a blessing to you. I always get sentimental around this time of the year, partly because of the holidays, I, I love celebrating Jesus, don't you? I like keeping Christ in Christmas, and uh, I enjoy, I like the lights, I like the giving of gifts, I like the receiving of gifts, I like, I like Christmas, I, I enjoy this, I refuse to be a Scrooge, and so I, I don't want to be a bah humbug, I don't want to be a Grinch, I want to be a believer in Jesus Christ that celebrates uh, the time where we look to His birth, don't you? <clears throat> But we're on the other side of that, and now we're looking toward a new year. And it's in this new year that uh, whenever we come to a new year that I do get kind of sentimental, not kind of, but very, because it was just after the first of the year that I got saved. It was February 1st, 1975, that I gave my life to Christ. And when we use terms like saved, got saved, you know, in, in, in my life, that's what God did. He saved me. He rescued. It was a rescue mission from God. And all that He did is set me up to bring me to Himself. And I reflect on that uh, during this time of the year. Uh, truthfully, I do just practically daily uh, because He's good to us, isn't He? But this year, I've been probably even more reflective because tomorrow marks 40 years since I went out in ministry. So, New Year's Eve, 1978, I went out to pastor my first church in Winslow, Arizona. We have some former Winslowites here this morning. Praise God. And and, uh, you know, so that was uh, 40 years ago. I, I must have been like 12. <laughs> boy, boy preacher. No. I, <clears throat> I was 23 years old and uh, needed uh, God's help. <clears throat> but seriously, what I'm going to show and share this morning is a part of my reflection of God's grace in my life. I am going to be sharing a lot of stories, and uh, in this, I I hope that it doesn't come across that I'm just talking about myself or building myself up or something like that, because that is not at all my purpose, but I do want to bring a a word of testimony of the grace of God, and uh, I believe this is going to be a, a challenge and an encouragement to us over the uh, 40 years that I've been in ministry, I've pastored in four different churches here in the States. I've been associate pastor of three, including this one. I've lived as a missionary in Kenya and then also in Malawi. <clears throat> and I know that all that's happened through my life has been because of the grace of God and also 
a lot of help for my friends. If we could get that first uh, image up there. These are, these are several of my lifelong friends there. Uh, Joe, uh, Ron Simpkins, Joe Whitinger, and Pastor Jack Harris. Good guys. And have been friends of mine for, gosh, for uh, uh, 40 plus years now. And so uh, as, as we're here this morning, I understand uh, the value and the importance of friendship. And so we need each other. And if I've accomplished anything in my life, it's largely because of the influence of friends like Ron Simpkins, Joe Whitinger, and Jack Harris. Pull that back up for you. Friends of mine. And, and Ron and Joe, both these guys in the yellow shirt, were there the night that I got saved 44 years ago. Uh, Ron, the first guy sitting next to me, was uh, uh, the guy that prayed the prayer of forgiveness with me. And so I've always said, I know of at least one prayer that Ron Simpkins had answered uh, because uh, he prayed for me when I got saved. And 44 years later, I'm still saved. That was was a good prayer. But Ron and Joe were always a big part of, have been, a big part of my life and my education on how to be a Christian. Several months after I got saved, I was invited uh, by our pastor to go to uh, uh, my first Bible conference in Prescott, Arizona. And man, I was so excited. It was going to be a Monday through Friday event, uh, 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 preaching every day through the day, uh, challenge and fellowship. And, and so I'm so excited about it. In the morning I'm getting ready to leave, I get a telephone call. And so I answer the phone, I say hello, and the phone on the, or the voice on the other end of the phone says, is this Alex Wilson? Sounded kind of severe and, and serious, and so I said, well, uh, yes, it is. And he said, well, this is a selective service, and we are calling to inform you that you've been drafted. I couldn't respond. My heart hit the floor. I, I, I couldn't get my thoughts together. Uh, you know, this was in 1975, and uh, the Vietnam War had been a very real thing. Uh, and, and now I'm thinking, you know, I was going to go to my first Bible conference, and now I'm drafted. They're going to shave my head and everything. <laughs> it was a concern back in those days. <laughs> But then through the fog of my thoughts, reason prevailed, and it occurred to me, the Vietnam War is over, and there isn't any draft. And so I said, who is this? And there's this cackling laugh on the other end. It was Ron Simpkins, my friend. When I got saved, I was a young, gullible, new convert, and it was my friendship with guys like Ron Simpkins and Joe Whitinger that toughened me up. Lots of my survival skills I learned from them. But listen, as I think about the doors that God has opened for me in my life and through my life in ministry and just in my life in general... 
I realize that most of those doors, if not all of them, that God has opened have been held by the hands of friends like Ron and Joe and some others that I'm going to talk about today. It's highly doubtful that I would have made it in ministry without these guys. Joe Whitinger, the, the uh, guy in the yellow shirt next to Ron Simpkins there, uh, pioneered the first church that I pastored in Winslow. Uh, he and his wife Becky had been there for two years, and uh, uh, during that time they'd raised up a good group of people, and some of those are out pastoring today. And I tell you, it was a minor miracle uh, that those folks that were gathered together stuck around after I came because I was, uh, I was only 23 years old, uh, I was very young, I was very green, and I made some stupid mistakes. I preached one time on tithing and uh, got this illustration together. I was preaching out of Malachi chapter 3 and would a man rob God? And I, in this illustration, I said, uh, you know, it makes more sense to rob a Circle K than it does to rob God. And so I got kind of into the illustration. I said, it makes more sense to go into a Circle K with a gun, stick a gun in the guy's face, clear out the cash drawer, and then run. It makes more sense to rob a Circle K than it does to rob God. And then, you know, I finished out the service. I felt pretty good about that illustration until the next weekend. I, uh, that weekend, the weekend following, I went to preach for a friend of mine, Larry Huck, who was pioneering at that time in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And after I get into the hotel room, I get a call from our lead disciple, Ray Kirkland and Winslow, and he says, Pastor, we got a problem. <laughs> now, we had a guy in our church named Joe, not Whitinger, another Joe, and he had some real psychological issues going on, and so... I said, well, uh, well, what happened? And, and Ray said, Joe robbed the Circle K. And like I said, this guy had some real uh, difficulties and, and all, and so I guess I had inspired him. He went to a Circle K, gun in hand, stuck it in the guy's face, cleared the cash drawer out, and then ran the police picked him up not too long after that and, and, and arrested him. And so Ray says, yeah. And he said, Joe had our tithe envelopes on him. And he told the police he was going to tithe off of what he robbed to our church. Now, fortunately, they understood that this guy had those real psychological issues going on, and I didn't get in trouble for that, but I did learn a lesson, or at least I hope I did, and that is to clarify things more. Maybe think through illustrations a little better when I'm preaching, that kind of thing. In those early days, I made a lot of mistakes, and it's much to the credit of Joe and Becky Whitinger that those people that were there in that church stayed, and we actually grew. Like, maybe major miracle. <laughs> but after I'd been out for about four months, and this was a real wrestle 
and struggle for me in early ministry. I, in those days, I preached three times a week, taught a Bible study, did all the counseling, did all the advertising, did everything. And so there was a heavy load on me as a young guy and trying to get these messages together that would mean something to people, try to get better illustrations for my messages, that kind of thing. And so I, I, after four months, I was going to a conference in our mother church in Flagstaff. And before I went, I cried out to God and I said, God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. And I said, if you don't speak to me in this conference... I really don't think I'm going to be able to pull this off. I don't think I'm going to make it. So I went to the conference. Thursday night of that conference, Larry Neville, who many of you know, has preached here uh, several times, stood up, and after he had preached, he said, there are four pastors who came to this conference, and before you came, you said in your heart and prayed and cried out to God, God, if you don't do something for me in this conference, I'm not going to make it. And he said almost word for word what I had prayed. So I went forward with three other guys we were prayed for. I cried and said, God, I thank you. You've heard my cry. I believe you're in my life. I believe you called me, all of that, and felt God with me, you know? And so that was on Thursday night, but Saturday I had to go back to Winslow. And so Saturday I was in my little dinky office, and I'm trying to pull my thoughts together for a message to preach the next day, and all hell breaks loose on my mind and in my life, and I get knocked off uh, my spiritual equilibrium, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling and struggling, and finally I, I I just think, you know what, I just, I can't go on. I can't do this. And so I got on the phone. I called up. My pastor at that time was Pastor Jack Harris, the third guy in the picture here. And I called up Pastor Harris. I said, Pastor Harris, on Thursday night, God really did speak to me. I really thought that I was called here. I thought that I could make it. I thought I could do it. But now I don't know. And so I kind of expected him to say, well, you know, we all wrestle. We all struggle. We all go through things. But you know what he did? I'm on the phone, and he says, all right, Wilson, you come on back to Flagstaff. And I'll send somebody in there that'll do the will of God. And then he hung the phone up. So now I have a decision. I hung the phone up. And I have a decision to make. Whether I'm going to stay and face the devil in Winslow or go back to Flagstaff and face the Harris. Thankfully, I made the decision to stay in Winslow and face the devil. And life and ministry went on. At midnight that night, I was working on my sermon for that Sunday morning, and Pastor Harris called me up and began to encourage me and began to speak words into my life. And my point in sharing these stories with you this morning is just to say this, we need each other. Not one of us will be able to become all God has called us to become or do what God has called us to do without the help of friends. Even as great as the Apostle Paul was, it's clear from his writings that he depended on the friendship 
and the help of others. Paul's letters are full of appreciation for those he was in relationships, for his friends. If you read sometime later in Romans chapter 16, it's one of those kind of strange chapters in the, in the New Testament because it doesn't have a lot of, of what we would call spiritual meat in it. It's really basically a list of this person, that person, the other person that Paul was friends with. If you look at the end of Romans 15, it kind of is like the, uh, the letter is closing out to the Romans. He says, uh, the grace of the Lord, Lord be with you, amen. And then he picks it back up in Romans 16 and starts talking about people like Phoebe, who he says was a helper of many and of himself also. He talks about Priscilla and Aquila, his fellow helpers in Christ. And then he lists tons of other unpronounceable names, so I'm not even going to attempt it this morning, but all these people that were his friends. And so it's clear that Paul wanted them recognized. And not only Paul, but how many of you know the Bible was an inspired word of God? And it was important to the Holy Spirit that these names be listed, these people, because not only Paul, but the Holy Spirit recognizes the value of friendship. Paul also wrote about the heartbreak he felt from lost friendships. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, he says, For Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Now, these verses show the pain from Demas' betrayal, but also Paul's dependence on friends like Luke and Mark and Timothy. Paul felt things deeply, didn't he? Yes. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, This you know, all those that are in Asia have turned away from me. Now, I was thinking about this verse, and, and I have uh, uh, suffered the pain of people that were in churches that I pastored over the years that had left the church. It's always painful. I've uh, had friends that I thought would be there forever, uh, some of them that uh, lost those friendships, and that's painful. All of us here know the pain of relationships that have been broken or relationships that have been lost, and it hurts, doesn't it? Now, tell yourself or somebody, I've been hurt. We all have. But I dare say that probably none of us here this morning have ever had a whole continent forsake us. As Paul writes, he says, all of Asia, a whole stinking continent has forsaken me. Now listen, in spite of the hurt and pain that he experienced, Paul also understood that he couldn't do ministry or the Christian life alone. 
He knew that much of his success in ministry and in his life was dependent on the help of his friends. And as you read through Paul's writings in the New Testament, he uses terms for his relationships like uh, brother, sister, family, friend, yoke fellow, fellow helpers, and so on. You see, Paul understood something, and we need to get this so much more this morning, and that is we need each other. Our relationship with God is very personal, isn't it? No one besides us and God will ever know how deeply He has impacted and affected our lives. Those closest to us will never know the full impact. As as close as Cindy and my relationship is, uh, she will never know the full depths uh, that I feel toward the Lord for what He's done in my life. And that's true with all of us. No one, we could never explain or put into words that would fully make people understand how deeply He's impacted our lives. Our relationship with Him is very personal, but it's not at all private. We need each other. Now, you and I are responsible for our own growth in God. We need to learn how to get into the Word of God for ourselves and, and read and, and study. We, we need to develop our own personal prayer life with the Lord. Isn't that right? Amen. But our growth in God isn't just a private affair. That's right. We need each other. Amen. And it's in getting together. It's in coming to church like you did this morning. It's in our forging out friendships and relationships that we grow up and mature, isn't it? Anybody can be spiritual when they're all alone. Thank you. I'm going to repeat that again for those that didn't hear me on the back row. Anybody can be spiritual all alone. I find in my own life, I am at my most spiritual time when I'm alone with God. In the mornings, I come in and I go back into the library room there. I turn all the lights are out. I'm in that dark room. And man, when I'm alone with God, I tell you, I can love like Jesus loved. I can feel compassion for everyone. I, I, can, I can just feel the, the, uh, the, the presence of God. And I'm, I can be so spiritual when I'm all by myself. But it's when I walk out that door, come into the office, and I get around John and Harry and Andrew and Jason and the other Alex and Valerie and... Rosemary and all of them that uh, I get challenged sometimes. And these guys are for the most part saved. They're all really saved. And they all are really good people. And yet in spite of how good they are really overall, I've still, you know, every once in a while we kind of uh, bump into each other, bump up against each other, and, and kind of rub each other uh, a little the wrong way sometimes. It's just the way it is with us as people, isn't it? But we need each other to learn how to relate 
I need them in my life to get over my own selfishness and self-seeking and my own opinions. I can be very opinionated. I can really hold on to my own opinions. And when somebody has a different opinion, I can take it personal. And so that's part of our lives as believers is in getting around other people to where we learn to be forgiving or listen to somebody who may have a different opinion about some things and, and be willing to embrace instead of reject. Can somebody say that's right? We will never be who God has called us to be or do what God has called us to do without the help of our friends. We need each other. The doors that God opens for us to grow and to excel in our lives are often held by the hands of our friends. Close friendships like marriages don't just happen. If you ever see a couple that you say they have a, they have a, a good marriage, they have a close marriage, can I tell you something about that? That was worked for. There were, there were times of forgiveness. There were times of laying down that selfish nature. Any strong marriage is a reflection of effort, of commitment, of love. And that's the way it is with each other. We have to value and appreciate, recognize the value of our relationship with each other. And that's what... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 addresses. He says these words simply, love the brotherhood. And when he talks about brotherhood here, he's not, just talk, he's not talking about gender. He's not talking about just guys getting together and band of brothers, that type of thing. But when he mentions love the brotherhood, he's talking about that bond that we have as believers in, in the church of Jesus Christ, that relationship, that closeness that we yearn for, that closeness, that bond uh, that we have allowed to take hold in our lives and that we have through Christ and with each other. Now that loving the brotherhood, can I tell you something? It can be challenging. Because we're all so different. Now, tell yourself or tell somebody, you're different. You don't have to emphasize it so much, guys. I mean, love the brotherhood. Set you up, didn't I? Someone wrote, I was remembering this, before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. Probably not the best advice, but we all are so different, aren't we? And in spite of our differences, we need each other. Our ethnicities, our backgrounds, our experiences, what we've all been through uh, are all so different. But even though that's so, we, we, and, and in the midst of that, we go through things with people, don't we? Because of our differences, people and friends, even those closest to us 
can irritate us and sometimes make us downright mad. Part of what can make us mad is sometimes in relationship with others, they cause us to see things in us that we don't like. And maybe things that we see in ourselves that we realize needs to be addressed that at the moment we may not want to address it in ourselves. And so we can just say, well, you know what? I don't need them. I don't need them. I don't need anybody. I just, I just pull my own self up by my bootstraps and that, that kind of thing. But listen, we have to be careful not to forget how much we need each other. And I appreciate the Lord in, in, in addition to saving me and the family that he's given me and calling me into ministry that God also has given me some really good friends. But I'll tell you something this morning. Every friend that I have, Ron Simpkins, Joe Whitinger, Jack Harris, John Poole, Harry Hills, all of the friends that I have, I've had to deal with some issues with all of them. Let me tell you about them. No. Most of the time, there are issues in me and things that I need to deal with. And our problem is that we are far better at cutting people off than we are bringing them close. And you and I as God's people need to learn to love the brotherhood. Our brotherhood, our togetherness is what makes us great. See, the church, this, this church, this body of believers uh, isn't meant to be just a group of people that gets together hanging out and talking about Jesus. Right. It's meant to be so much more. It's meant to be a close bond of believers that love Jesus and love each other in spite of our differences. Anybody besides me ever had an issue with somebody here? Thank you for not shouting out, amen. That was good. But we, uh, we have to learn to grow, don't we? We have to learn to forgive. And we have to learn to get over our own bad self. Can somebody say amen? Our togetherness, the bond that we have as believers in Christ, listen, it's what makes us great. And it's something that you and I should treasure. We should love the brotherhood. And that's my encouragement to you this morning, to all of us. And that is to not take our friendships, our relationships, and the bond that we have for granted. We need to protect it in our hearts. And, and today, if you're still trying to uh, develop friendships and relationships, let me encourage you, don't give up. Close friendships and relationships take time. They take effort. They take us being willing to forgive. They take us being willing to, to get out of our own comfort zone sometime and to introduce ourselves to people, to, to be friendly. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? In Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend that sticks closer 
than a brother. And so I want to encourage us this morning uh, to develop those relationships and friendships. None of us will ever be who God has called us to be or to do what God has called us to do without the help of each other. There's a quote that's attributed to Ben Franklin after the signing of the Declaration of Independence that rings true. He said, brethren, we had better hang together in this or we will assuredly hang separately. And they did, didn't they? They hung together in that Declaration of Independence and they forged a great nation. And you know what? This morning as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to learn to love the brotherhood. We need to learn to hang together. We need to learn to be forgiving and to look at the interest of others instead of our own interest. Listen, it's our togetherness that makes us great. Now, I have always known that I'm not all that. The uh, great scholar, Dirty Harry, said a man has to know his limitations. And listen, I know I have lots of limitations. Over the years, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've lived through a crisis or two. But I also know that God has helped me, and the help that He has provided in my life through the years has often come by the hands of my friends. Twenty years ago, when I was really hurting, a friend, Howard Pennington, called me and asked me to come on staff here in Kingman. I was all busted up inside because of life and, and things, and I, uh, I had been friends with Howard for almost 20 years at that time, and I told him, I said, Howard, I really, really appreciate your asking me. And I said, but I just don't know. I, I just, is it all right if I just take some time and pray about it? And he said, well, of course. Of course you need to pray about it. And so I got off the phone with Howard, and I, I was wondering about, you know, I, had, I was living, and I, my kids, we were in the south, and I was thinking about moving the kids all the way out here. They are both, at that time, they are teens, and wondering about moving them, resettling them, and Kingman, and and so I really was wrestling and struggling. And at that time, it was hard for me to hear God's voice clearly for myself. And I know that it should never be that way, but I'm just telling you the way it was at that time because I was all busted up inside. And so I, I called another friend, Ron Simpkins. And I said, Ron Howard had... had has called and asked me to come on staff in Kingman. And I says, man, I says, I, I really just don't know. I, I'm wondering what I should do. And, how, and, you know, Ron gave me one of the greatest pieces of advice that anyone that, that he's ever given me or anyone has ever given me. And he said, you know what? He says, if you don't get off the phone right now and call Howard up and tell him that you're coming, you're an idiot. How many of you know good friends can talk to each other that way sometimes? So it was kind of, got off the phone with Ron, and I thought to myself, 
I don't want to be an idiot. And so listen, it was on the encouragement and the word from a friend that I made that call. And thank God because God spoke to me through Ron Simpkins. I don't know if God's ever called you an idiot before, but, but, but God spoke to me through my friend. And I made that phone call, and that was 20 years ago. And you know, my, my whole life turned around through that. I moved with my, my kids to, to Kingman. We got settled and entered into ministry, and, and they now have families of their own in Flagstaff, both serving God and, and doing good. And, and it was only a year later that I was introduced to Cindy by my good friends Rudy and Sandy Shelton here. We got married. That was 19 years ago. My whole life turned around because of a phone call from a couple of friends. Amen. And so my point, and I'm, I, we're going to pray just now, my point is to say again today, we need each other. And friendships, relationships are always challenging. They have to be valued and appreciated and worked for and toward there's commitments that need to be made. There's some, there's some uh, forgiveness at times that needs to be given. There's all of this mixed up in developing and forging out those kind of friendships. And I understand this morning, there's some of you that are thinking here, you know, I don't know that I have that kind of, those kind of lifelong friends. You know what? Today is the day to start. Don't, don't give up. Don't stop. And I know there are a lot of us, uh, and, and some of you may find this hard to believe, but I'm kind of shy and retiring by nature. I know I, know I don't really appear to be that today, but by nature, that's kind of, I'm kind of, uh, would rather be in the background, that kind of thing. But I have realized that if I'm going to have friends, I need to get, put myself out there. I had to do that as a young believer. And I did with Ron Simpkins, Joe Whitinger, Jack Harris, all of these, the, the people uh, with John Poole, Harry Hills, all of the people that I call friends today. I had to kind of put myself out there. And there were times that I had to look inside myself and re- realize that I needed to just shut up. And, and be forgiving and value other people's opinions. All of that. There are things that we have to do if we're going to forge out, work out those kind of friendships. And my encouragement to us today is that it's worth it. <clears throat> so valuable. So important. We need each other. Can you shout amen? amen. <clears throat> God bless you. Let's, let's bow our heads today and just, if you would bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Maybe there are those here that have come to the service and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never asked Him to come into your heart. And can I tell you from, from my own experience, the night that I made that decision, I had no idea the far-reaching impact that it would make but I knew I needed forgiveness. I knew I needed Jesus. I made that decision, and my life has never been the same. And today, 
If you're here, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've been away from Him for a long time, and today you, you just say, in the midst of this uh, building today, your heads are bowed, no one looking around, you just recognize your need for Him as Savior, Him and His forgiveness, and as no one's looking around for a moment, you just slip your hand up in, in acknowledgement of your need to be prayed for today. We're going to pray together in just a moment. Anyone across this building, just raise your hand up and say, I need that forgiveness. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. Honest hearts this morning. God bless you. You can put them down. <clears throat> Praise God. We're going to pray together, and I, I would like for all of us to just repeat this prayer. And in the midst of this prayer, what I want to do is I want to also encourage us all this New Year's to make a resolution, and that is to be a friend. He that has friends must show himself friendly. Dare to be a friend. Dare to reach out from your own comfort zone and be a friend to somebody in need and develop those bonds. Can you say amen? amen? Let's pray together. Would you just repeat this out loud? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I recognize when you shed your blood, it was for me. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive you into my heart. Thank you for saving me, for rescuing me, for making me a part of the family of God. Help me, Lord, to be a good friend to look beyond myself and to the needs of others. Thank you for this. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering and thank him? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Our prayer team's gonna be up here at the front to pray with you if you'd like personal prayer. Uh, God bless you. Happy New Year. We've got a great year ahead of us. Can you say amen? Through Jesus, he's our hope. Amen. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.